passage, and it comes from the book of Romans. We've been studying through it, and we're here in the 12th chapter, and we've been seeing the last few weeks that Paul has been seeking to instruct the believers and those outside the church as well that God's grace and love and mercy were for all people, both Jews and Greeks, and for everybody, and for everybody equally. And so he's now kind of turning the page. So now we have all these people of different backgrounds and and different former belief systems and different races and ethnicities and even languages who are all coming together in the same church. And he's going to say, this is how you're supposed to act like or what you're supposed to act like and how you're supposed to be as a church of diverse people together. So here now these words from Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another." We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry and ministering, the teacher, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, and the compassionate in cheerfulness. In this passage, we see Paul giving us these instructions, and we've heard them before as folks who've been in church But they are words that mean so much, and they are indeed so challenging to us because it's hard enough for any two people to get along and to act like they truly are one together, much less a group of diverse folks. How many of you all have ever been a member of a team in a three-legged race? Yeah? You want to try it right now? No? It's, it's a hard thing to do. You would. All right. After church, I got a piece of rope right out there. We'll tie our legs up. All right. It's hard to do, to coordinate your motions with just two people. We as a church, the 20 of us, 25 of us here today, however many there are, to be able to say that we have come together and that we are truly of one mind and one purpose under God, to do God's will, that's a really, really hard thing. But Paul gives us instructions on how to make it happen. He begins by saying that we first have to be willing to present ourselves as living sacrifices, as living sacrifices. And both of those words, living and sacrifice, have great importance. You see, early in the Christian movement, it was that Christians were being persecuted. And some of them saw that being persecuted even to the point of death, martyrdom, for them was the highest and greatest honor. 
kind of like we see in the Islamic faith today that, that those Islamic jihadists believe that if they give their lives in jihad, they go straight to the highest heaven and have 70 virgins or whatever it is they believe they get. All right? Early Christians fell into the same kind of trap. Many of them did. And they believed that if they were be martyred for their Christian faith to give their lives for God like Jesus did, that they would have some super wonderful great eternal reward. And it was a, actually a plague on the Christian movement. And so Paul here very clearly says, give yourselves not as a sacrifice, but give yourself as a living sacrifice. Give yourself away continually. Keep on living and keep on serving. Don't just go out and seek to be martyred to prove your faith, but rather prove your faith again and again and again as a living sacrifice. It was wonderful to be out on our front walk on Thursday with all the students walking by, and I so appreciate those of you who came and helped pass out the water and the fruit and the flyers. It was a wonderful, wonderful day. And to know that some of you have been doing that for years and years, and some of y'all are actually a little older than I am, and you were still here, and it was hot. And, and what a great example that was to these students who came by, 18 to 25 years old, most of them. To see those of you who are, what, 45, 50 out there passing out water bottles and, and pieces of fruit, to know that, that you folks who are twice their age are still willing to get out there on a hot day and to be the body of Christ. Living your faith outwardly, that's what Paul wants us to do. And to be a living, what he says, sacrifice. And the word sacrifice for us means that we need to be willing to give ourselves away for others. And that really is the foundational teaching of this entire passage. It's not all about me. That's what we Christians need to know. And that's how we need to live our lives. It's not all about me. It's about God and others. It's not me first, it's God first and others first. And so to make ourselves a sacrifice means that we're willing to put others first and put God first and not ourselves. And that's a hard, hard thing for us to do. He says when we do this, we need to understand that it is for us our spiritual worship. Our spiritual worship. So when we come and we serve and when we come and we do outreach and when we come and we, we minister to others, that is our active worship on a daily basis. What a beautiful thing Paul is charging us with, and hopefully we can find ways to do it day in and day out. He goes on and says that as we are doing this, as we're giving ourselves away, and as we're worshiping God by serving others, we need to know that we we have to be different. He says we need to not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewal of our minds. This too is challenging because we are constantly being bombarded by imagery and by marketing of the world of what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to think and what we're supposed to look like and how we're supposed to fit in. And all of these messages keep coming at us from every possible form of, of media that our, our senses can absorb. After all, all of us today looked in a mirror. Anybody here not look in a mirror today? We all looked in a mirror, and we all made sure that we were 
the way we think we're supposed to be. And how, where did that image come from? It came from somewhere else. So we need to hear what Paul is telling us. We need to not be conformed to what the world says, who we're supposed to be or how we're supposed to look or what we're supposed to think, but rather we need to have a transformation of our mind and live our lives as Christ, to live our lives as Christ. Now the world might tell us, you need to take care of yourself, you need to have it your way, you only live once, all those kinds of messages. But Christ says, you are a child of God who has been redeemed by God's own sacrifice, and now you are called to be a living sacrifice for others. You go and serve others. And so as we are drawn closer to Christ and spirituality, we're called to have our minds transformed and renewed into this new self-understanding. Today is not about me. It's not about getting what I want or doing what I want. Today is about serving God and serving others and being as Christ in the world. That's what it is. And he says, by doing these things, we will know what the will of God is. Those things that are good and acceptable and perfect. And when we hear this word perfect, it often scares us because we say, well, we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But what we need to hear is, is rather than something that is perfect like that, we need to think of, of these two things. We need to think of holiness and completeness. And while we might not ever reach perfection in ourselves, we can, at least for periods of time, we can be made holy as we confess our sins and as we receive God's grace and mercy. And we can be complete for that day. We can become mature in that day and in that moment. And so that's the will of God for us, to reach these things. And we do that, we do that by this continual renewal of our minds, being transformed by God's Spirit and God's power. Now he goes on, and the next point he makes is that we need to have a sense of humility. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to, to be humble. And for some of us, that's really hard, right? Remember the old country song, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're half as good looking as me. And some of you, when you look in the mirror, you might sing that song to yourself. I don't know. We have to be humble. And what that means is we have to recognize that we, as Paul has been teaching in the last few passages that we've seen, that we, none of us, are any better than anybody else. None of us are. Doesn't matter how tall we are, or how short we are, or how much hair we have, or how much hair we don't have, or how beautiful our clothes are, or how much money we have in our bank account, or how many degrees we have on our wall. None of that matters. We're all equal in the eyes of God, and we're all equal in the membership of the church, and we're all equal together. And we have to continue to soberly remind ourselves of our equality and of our humanness. And when we do that, 
we can have the love and respect for one another that we need in order to be the church. And finally, he goes on to this final passage, which is what I titled my sermon on today. He says, we have to remember that we are one body together with many members. In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, he gives this long illustration of this and talking about how the hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of you, or the stomach can't say to the head, I have no need of you. And it's kind of a, a silly illustration about body parts. And what if we all just were one big toe? What good will we be, right? We, we have to have all these different parts, and each part has to do its job and work together for our bodies to work. And the same is true in the church. We have to have people using their different gifts in different ways in order for the church to do what it's supposed to do. Those who have musical gifts are called to use them for the glory of God and for the, for the, uh, the leading in worship of the church. Those who can teach, they need to use those gifts to teach. Those who can lead or administrate need to do those things. Those who can babysit or cook need to do those things. Those who can do yard work or construction need to do those things. Oh, that we had somebody who could do plaster work, right? We, as the people of God, all have gifts, and we are called to use those gifts together, working together as one body, as one body with many members. Now, I titled my sermon All for One and One for All because I think I've shared with you before, I love movies and I love stories and fantasy and science fiction. And The Three Musketeers is one of those stories that's always captivated my attention. I've seen about 14 different versions of it in, in the cinema and had to read the book in school and just love that story. And I love to see these guys, Athos, Porthos, and I always forget his name, Aramis, the, the, the fine one. I always see these guys as three very different people, and usually they're portrayed that way. One's kind of drunk and goofy. One is actually a former count who actually married the evil woman early in life and is trying to redeem himself. And one was raised in a monastery and wants to become a priest one day once his fighting days are over. Very different people from very different backgrounds with very different worldviews. But they have this one thing in common. They have all felt called to be a part of the musketeers, these, these men who have sworn their allegiance to protect the throne and whoever sits on it. And they're willing to give their life for their duty to protect the throne. All for one and one for all. We as a church need to have that same kind of devotion. We need to be willing to commit ourselves fully to Christ, to give ourselves as living sacrifices, and through our own personal humility to recognize that we have been gifted by God, but we've been called by God to use those gifts in perfect harmony and concert with one another in order to make our church a viable body of faith that is working to be the body of Christ and not just inside the sanctuary on Sunday mornings, but outside and in the world every day of the week. 
all for one and one for all, giving ourselves away to God, to one another, and to our community so that Christ would be seen in us and through us and that others might come and be a part. Now, the great story of the three musketeers story is not just these three old musketeers, but this young man, D'Artagnan, who has been raised on the legends of the musketeers, and he wants to become one. And he goes to Paris, and he gets himself into all kind of trouble, but in the end, he proves himself worthy, and he gets to put on the cape and become a musketeer. Today, perhaps, is the day for you. Hear the calling. God wants you to be part of the family of God, the body of Christ. God wants you to be willing to say, I believe in Christ enough to give myself to Christ as a living sacrifice and to be a part of God's church, God's body in the world. And I today want to commit myself to be a part of the church that is seeking to be not just a church that worships or a church that takes care of a beautiful building, but rather I want to be a part of a church that is out engaged in the world, ministering to others in the name of Christ. I today want to commit myself fully and totally to Christ through the church, to be a part of the body, all for one and one for all. Hopefully you'll make that commitment today in your heart and in your life. And today, as a church, we can move forward in doing the will of God. Won't you stand now and join me as we affirm our faith together through the Apostles' Creed.